The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who thought the happy birthday song was about him till he went to another birthday party. <laughs> Estelle. I know, they stole my glory, man. That's it. What's up with this? <laughs> happy birthday. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's my song. <laughs> he thought it was about him. Damn it. Everything's about me, is it not? Well, until it's not about you. That's right. Yeah. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing very good. Very, Beautiful very day good. outside. Man. Man, it's nice. There's no rain. Nice. Was 70-something this afternoon. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Beautiful day at the crack house. I don't know what it is, Celsius. You have to figure it out. I don't know, Celsius. <laughs> I, don't I don't know them either. I know uh, zero is freezing. That's all I know. 100 really hot. Yeah, 100 is... <laughs> Bowling. Bowling. That's all I know. Yeah. Anything in between is just. So you, uh, Canada folks and UK folks, y'all just figure that out. Yeah. It's it's nice. It's nice. That's the temperature. <laughs> yeah. That's the southern temperature. It's nice outside. Yeah, ain't it nice? You, you got any good shout outs or anything you well, want to talk about, bud? I do, man. Check it out. You know, everybody's always looking for Mr. Wright, but guess what? We found him. He's listening to us. Mr. Wright? Mr. Wright 323 from gave us an Apple podcast five star. Said, uh, we are the first true crime show he's listened to. He really liked it a lot. He thought it was really good. He enjoyed the show and would definitely be back and listen to more. Well, thank so, you, Mr. Wright. Man, we appreciate that. We always love a good five-star. It helps us out way more than you guys know. Man, uh, don't it, though. Mm-hmm. And we want to give a shout-out to uh, Michelle Steinbrecher, 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 Steinbrecher. We'll go Steinbrecher. Steinbrecher, yeah. If I butchered it, I apologize. You let me know, and I'll get it right next time. Well, I'm sure one of them was right. Yeah. So anyway, she gave us a great review on Audible, which may be our first, first, second. I think we got got a few reviews on there. Okay, cool. She's a very new listener. She definitely loved the show and would definitely be coming back for more. We appreciate you, Michelle. Thank you much. Thank you much. And uh, a YouTube comment also. So we're covering the bases tonight. So it's uh, MV LeBlanc. She said that... uh, she just realized that me, me and Dale, 
uh, looks like her brother, and now she realizes why we are podcast superstars and not movie stars. You mean there's two guys out there that look like you? Mm-hmm. Or just That's a whole lot of pretty, I'm telling you. Man, I don't know if the world can handle it. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> That's a lot of pretty going on. Uh, if you say so. Yeah. Did I tell you about the story about when me and my daughter went to, to the phone store the other day? No. Yeah, we went to, uh, had to go uh, get a new phone because my one's about had it. So anyway, we were walking in the door and this this guy comes running up to the door from inside the employee and grabs the door and opens it and he goes, oh, I thought you was Goldberg. I was coming to get your autograph. <laughs> Boy, you should have seen my daughter's eyes about roll out of her head. I bet you, I bet you could hear her eyes roll. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, see, you didn't know you were thinking with Goldberg today. <laughs> and for all you guys that don't know, that is a wrestler, not just a... Goldberg. A wrestler. A wrestler. Yeah. yeah. And if anybody wants to be like Mr. Right and don't be wrong, go to the <laughs> Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rate and review. Write something in the box, and we will give you a big old shout-out on Heck the Crackhouse yeah, Chronicles. Or if your podcast platform allows it. Rate and review. Anywhere. Yes. Anywhere. Spotify now. Yeah, Facebook recommendations. We've got 19 whole stars, I think. 19 whole reviews or okay. whatever, ratings or whatever. I think it just allows stars. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. 19 folks have given us five-star reviews. How about that? Yeah, whatever. If your podcast platform allows it, do it. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. And uh, last episode, I didn't mention nothing about T-shirts and all that stuff. But no, you didn't. No, but if you want a T-shirt, go to the store page on our website and get you a T-shirt and get you some kind of merchandise. Support the Crack House. Help keep the lights running. We do appreciate a whole big bunch. Yeah, we'll have the new one up as soon as I can get the file worked out. Yeah, we're going to put some more designs up and gives people some more options. Anybody got any cool ideas, shoot them to us. We'll, we'll, we'll review them, see what oh, we think. Yeah, and uh, also, if anybody's interested in doing our outro message, shoot us an email or a message or something, and we will get you in line for that. Yeah, we like that. It's kind of cool. We like when you guys jump on and help out. and Make sure you jump over and join the fan page and drop some memes and stuff in there. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah, man. I like the interactive part of this. Yeah, I like it, too. It's fun. Yeah, we got... We love you guys. Yeah, a lot of people listen to us. We do. So, uh, and I think uh, a lot of people are sharing mouth-to-mouth. Well, that doesn't sound good. I think a lot of people are sharing, uh, you know, just uh, word of mouth. Word of mouth, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Sure well, it they is. might be mouth-to-mouth, and I don't know. <laughs> if you are. But anyway. If you are mouth-to-mouth, don't tell us. Yeah, or just send pics. Don't tell Donnie. Uh, but anyway, yeah, well, I think we're doing well. Everything's, uh, numbers are looking good. Not that I don't look at them every three minutes or anything, but, but, uh, yeah, I think you guys are coming in and sticking around and we're having a good time and it seems like you are too. Oh yeah. Numbers are, are out the roof, man. I can't believe it. How crazy. We just keep yeah. breaking records. You guys are awesome. Yeah. We love our fans. We do. All right, dude. I think we're, we talked enough. We're running yeah. everybody off. We're, we're five <laughs> minutes in. Somebody's going to complain about something. I don't, know somebody I don't care. Yeah. All right. We uh we got a heck of a case this week, man. Ooh. And this one, you know, we talked about cases being in our backyard. I'll tell you, the more the more we research, the scarier this one got. Yeah, like I said, we talked about cases being in our backyard. This one, literally, is was in our backyard, no doubt about it. But this week we are covering Patrick Tracy Burris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a lesser known killer. He's still killed. Yep. Um, he's been any, described as a serial killer or a spree killer, but I think uh, they've settled on spree killer. Well, when it comes right down to it, I don't really think it matters, does it? No, nah, I don't think it does. He's a killer. Yeah. But we're going to talk about him just a little bit and let everybody know what's going on with him. All right, let's dig in. All right. Patrick Tracy Burris, he was born on August 8th, 1967. 
in Maryland, USA. Maryland? Yep. All right, then. And there is not a whole bunch you can find about his younger days. Right. I mean, it's just nothing out there. Yeah, from what, the only thing you seen was, you know, everybody thought he had a pretty decent childhood, didn't have a lot of bad stuff going on in his life, and then got up around 13 or so is where you can find anything where he said, you know, basically he got around 13 and got wrong crowd and started doing drugs. But uh, they, some of his later family in some interviews said that he had a pretty loving family. Yeah. Pretty good childhood. Yeah, until we got about 13. Yeah. That's when uh, he took that exit ramp. Yeah, and took a different route. Yeah. But jumping a little bit ahead, Patrick Burris's life of crime, Dale, it began in 1986. Okay. In Volusia County, Florida. Florida. Yep. He was 19 years old, and at this time, he began racking up a n- numerous felony convictions. From anything from burglary to grand larceny. Yeah, he wasn't playing, was he? No, he wasn't messing around. <laughs> and then within three years, he would move to Rockingham, North Carolina. Mm. So he's getting closer to where we live. Yeah. And when he was in North Carolina, he would continue to be convicted on charges of uh, extortion, blackmail, common law robbery, forgery. And there was an even... Um, Something he was convicted of was a 19th century law against. It was going armed to the terror of the people. What the hell is that? <laughs> that is uh, threatening people with uh, some kind of weapon besides a gun, I guess. Okay. Yeah, from what I've read. That's a fancy law. Yeah. Okay. But it's a 19th century law that they... Going armed yeah. to the terror of the people. Yeah. I bet he said, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> But most of his crimes were in Rockingham County, but some were also in nearby Alamance County. Right. And that is uh, east of us, right? Yeah, that is down east part of the state. And in the summer of 2001, Patrick Burris was charged with 10 felony breaking and entering charges and nine larcenies. Good Lord. And uh, according to his criminal record, uh, along with being a habitual felon, there were sentencing guidelines that called for him to serve at least 10 years and nine months in prison. Yeah, the max was 10 years and one month, yes. which doesn't make much sense to me. If you got 10 felony break-ins and, and then nine larcenies, which I'm guessing them are probably at the same time. But still, that's a lot of charges yep. racking up, plus all the stuff he already had beforehand to only get sentenced for 10 years. But I know. Okay. But now, just a little statement here. Now, if Patrick Burris had been sentenced to the maximum time allowed. Uh, he would still been in prison today, and his crimes and the people he murdered would still be alive, most likely. Now, when Patrick Burris was forty-one years old, Dale, he was six foot seven inches tall, big, big man. That's going to come into play a little bit later, right? Uh, weighing about two hundred and eighty-five to three hundred pounds. That's a big feller, big boy. And he had uh, several nicknames. People called him Big Country. Big Country. Bigfoot and Biggin. Which all of them are sure is, uh, fits. Yeah, because he's a big boy. His my dad was 6'6", 300 pounds, so I know what you're looking at. Yeah. This dude's bigger than that. So. Your dad was a big man. Yeah. They, I mean, they called him Big Bill. Yeah, and this dude's <laughs> way bigger. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, and if you look at the, it's like a mugshot. I think he's a little taller than 6'7", actually. Yeah. It looks like it. Anyway. Go ahead. All right. Now, Patrick, he had scars on both of his arms and his right leg. Yeah, I think those scars came from actually helping him trying to get somebody out of a fire or something, I think he said. 
At one time when he was younger? Yeah. Hmm. But I'm not positive. Yeah. We'll run into that later. So. And he had tattoos on both arms and both shoulders. I know and he had big country tattoos. He did have big country tattoos. But like I say, there's not much about Patrick's early years. Right. Now, Patrick Burris had worked his way through the North Carolina criminal justice system, Dale, to Gaston Correctional Center. And is that in Gaston County? Yeah, that's one county over from us. Okay. He's getting closer. Yep. And it's a minimum security prison. Okay. And getting to Gaston Correctional means a person is within three years of his or her release date, and they've shown good behavior. Okay, so he was sentenced for 10 years, and now he's doing pretty good. He ain't starting no trouble. <laughs> probably not many people starting trouble with him, being how big he was. He's a big boy. You know, he probably hold his own, I guess. And then, uh, so he's doing well, and he's getting on his good behavior. Okay. Yep. And he is on a work release program. Okay. Yep. And he is working as a tree trimmer. So, uh, for those who don't know, what is a work release program? It is where you exhibit good behavior and they let you out during the day to go to a job and make money. And then at the end of the day, you go back to prison and spend the night. Gotcha. Yeah. They trust you enough to be able to do that. I guess they have somebody drive you to your job and drive you back probably. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, you don't. You're just not going <laughs> to go out and jump the car and go. That's right. You're not going to walk to work. So. No. I'm sure it's all uh, regulated. But Daniel Brighton of uh, Dallas, North Carolina, was with the correctional program. He was a supervisor in Gaston from 98 to 2007. And uh, he basically said it's prison readily supplies inmate labor for the area. He said that uh, Big Country was a fit name for Burris because he was a, he was a large country boy who kind of moved slow but had a dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was an inmate, and you always had to keep that in the back of your mind. But he was an average inmate, and there was nothing out of the ordinary to make you think you'd be involved in anything bad. So everything's going good. Mm-hmm. But uh, like you said, Britain's job was to oversee the work release program at Gaston. Right. And the, like I said, the program was required to for inmates to be on their best behavior and designed to kind of get them back in society and learn different skill sets yeah slowly you know yeah. if they're already doing good and causing no trouble we're going to go ahead and help you get reacquainted into to get back into the workforce and you know always get back into the community and that kind of thing but yeah Britton, he would uh drive patrick to other job interviews hmm. and patrick first landed a woodworking job and but my, he later moved on to a metal fabrication plant in shelby north carolina wow yeah this is our county bud that's our city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so somewhere in town he was working. Yeah. Crazy. And Britton said that Patrick completed an employment readiness program and attended some substance abuse classes, among other things, to be eligible for the work release program. So it seemed like he's turned his life around here. Yeah. He's doing well. Trying to do what he needs to do to To be a good citizen and get out. Yeah. Yeah. And he even said he remembered him being very talented, mechanically inclined, and Prior to work release, uh, he had him working on unit maintenance at the at the prison and had the ability to fix things and just do small re- repairs. and things. So He was uh, good with his hands, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. There was a guy, Chip Jones. Uh, he said that uh, he worked with Burris and Shelby for six months at one time. Hmm. I wonder where this uh, shop was. I don't know. It's I a couldn't metal, find a name. Metal fabrication shop. So yeah. there's a few of them around. But right. Makes you wonder, don't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and that's when he said Burris had a temper, though. Yep. You know, he'd worked with him six months at that point. You know, he said he had a temper. So 
he, he was, basically was fired for insubordination. Yeah, so I guess he he lost his uh, work release his program. Or something, yeah. yeah, he was disqualified. Yeah, and that's when uh, Patrick he ended up at the state prison in Lincoln County. Hmm. Moved him up a notch. Yeah, right. Yep. You know, and I don't. You know, I was gonna say I don't really understand that. Being everything was good, he just got fired from his job. But oh well, I guess if it's if you get fired from your job, then especially for not what not doing what they ask you, which is basically insubordination. I guess that's why. But I guess if you're on work release, it's a it's got to be a fine line. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Patrick, he was released on parole on April 29th of 2009. So that would be. He did eight eight years. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, eight years. So it's pretty close to his sentence. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, when Patrick Burris was released from the Lincoln County Correctional Center, he and his uh, fiance—he had a fiance. He had met a woman. Uh, she was a uh, an Hispanic woman, and her name was uh, Marta Ugalde. Hmm. And they had lived together in a hotel for a little while. Yeah, I don't think she could speak much English either, could she? I don't think she spoke any English. Right, and then she had a son. Yep, and his name was Jimmy Vargas. Right. And they had moved into a mobile home park in Vail, North Carolina. Which is not far from here. Uh, less than eight miles. Yeah, Chambers, Chambers Road? Chambers Lane. Lane, yeah. And Vail is a it's a small little community northwest of Lincoln. Very L- rural. Yeah, rural. Lincoln, yeah. 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 Just north of where we are right here. Yeah. Less than 10 miles, put it that way. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy Vargas, he was Ugalde's son, and he said that Patrick was trying to turn his life around. Yeah, he was He was still uh, working as a tree trimmer. Yeah. You know, when they moved out, and things were going all good until one day he got caught for driving with a suspended license. Yes. And I don't know the whole details of that, whether he got pulled over for speed or anything, but it, around here it could be just a basic license check. Yeah. They do that a lot, right? They, they'll have those Set up a roadblock and, and just check license. Well, at least that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. And they probably figured out he was driving a suspended license. But Chris. like I said, you know, Jimmy had said, you know, he was doing well and they were waiting for his birth certificate and stuff to come back. So he probably hadn't really thought about his license even being. And he had to drive to go to work. Maybe he needed his uh, birth certificate to get his license. Right. You but, know. But maybe he hadn't put in his change of address and all that mess. Whatever you got to do, keep up with parole to make sure it's good. Because they arrested him and took him to jail. They arrested him on June the 12th. Right. So I, and that had to be a blow for him, you know? Oh, yeah. All this he's doing to, to do good. And then this little, I mean, I know it's, I don't know. I know it's illegal, but it's not that big a deal, really. But uh, Jimmy Vargas, it was, this was his girlfriend's son. Uh, he bailed him out of jail. Yeah. And he said that Patrick feared he would return to prison for a year because of his arrest. And that he told his mother the time would go by quickly. Yeah, Jimmy's mother. Yeah, Jimmy's mother. Yeah, yeah his fiance. But now get this. It was just a few days later, Patrick left Vail. Yeah, he just packed up, left. He, yeah, I think he was really worried he was going back to prison, and he didn't want no part of that. And his fiance didn't go with him. No. Now, it was just a few days later. Uh, I've heard this different ways. A it, bunch of different ways. Yes, but uh, it was just a few days later. Uh, Patrick Burris, he met a brother and sister named um, Mark Stamey and his sister Sharon Stamey. Right. And you, you can met them at a bar. You can met them through a drug dealer. You can met them in Gaffney. Yeah. So, pick a joke. I don't know. Yeah, Mark Stamey, he was <laughs> Mark Stamey, he was 35, and his sister Sharon Stamey, she was 31. And it had been reported they were just transients. Maybe he met them at a bar in Gaffney, and the drug dealer was there. Could have been. Maybe they were all there. 
Yep. Who knows? But anyway, he was introduced to Mark and Sharon Stamey, right. brother and sister. And they began partying. Mm-hmm. And they said that Patrick would at times just disappear, get gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, on uh, June 27th, Patrick Burris, he shot and killed a peach grower named Klein Cash. I think he was a retired peach farmer. Yeah, he went in to, to ask the guy if he had some hay for sale. Yeah. And Klein Cash was 63, and he was living in Cherokee County, South Carolina. Yeah, him and uh, his wife were there, and uh, that's when Patrick showed up to ask him about some hay and stuff and said that uh, Mr. Cash invited him to come on in, and they were drinking some soda, hanging out in the kitchen, just small talk and getting to know each other. And so Mrs. Cash, she uh, had some errands to run, so she left and, and uh, returned about four hours later. Yeah, and me and you talked about this earlier today, and— you almost feel like that uh, since he had hay for sale, or uh, he probably knew that Klein Cash had some cash on hand. Right. Yeah. He was a, he was a retired peach farmer, mm-hmm. and uh, that just seems like why he would want to go in there because uh, the hay thing comes up with another murder. So I'm thinking maybe he's thinking they have cash on hand. Yeah. Basically, he comes right down to it. What he's doing is he's robbing and. He's looking for money or stuff to rob to pawn, I guess. Yeah. To support the drug drug habit. Yep. Him and the siblings had done blow through everything. They're doing some drugs and some partying, man. All kinds. Yep. Yeah. Everything from from uh, marijuana to cocaine to reportedly crack, maybe meth. I don't really know. It's hard. Who knows? But I've heard all of that, plus a lot of drinking. Yep. But uh, he shot and killed Klein Cash, who was 63, and his wife came home little bit later and found him dead in the house and yeah. she had told authorities that uh it looked like some things had been missing from the house right things were gone yeah he shot him with his 25 yep his gun 25 caliber right yep and it was four days later uh patrick burris shot and killed hazel linder who was 83 and her daughter gina linda parker yeah they were both was, retired school teachers yeah she was 50 now Later, the neighbors would point out that they also had a sign across the road from their house that said, hay for sale. That's crazy. Yeah. And this is also, side note, one hour before Klein Cash's funeral is when this murder happened. Man. All, but, all this is in Gaffney now. But these two ladies, they were tied up and bound yep. and gagged. And shot to death. And shot to death, yeah. Right. So it's just, I don't know if he's ramping up or just getting more desperate for money or what mm-hmm. it's really hard to tell now the next day patrick burris shot stephen tyler who was 48 and wounded his daughter abby tyler who was 15 but abby was taken to spartanburg regional medical center there in south carolina and she passed away two days later yeah she was uh heliported out yeah yeah she didn't make it yeah just a little side note um my wife i told you about this earlier her right. her daughter knew this abby tyler yeah they used to go to uh, uh ocean lakes campground down in myrtle beach myrtle beach yeah and she remembers her as a child right playing volleyball with her down at ocean lakes now this was all happened at the uh the family's appliance store yes they had like uh, tvs and vcrs and that kind of stuff, stuff yeah. you don't really see much anymore but yeah i guess they just had like yeah home yeah. appliances yeah it's crazy yeah and then uh they were, the two were both found by Tyler's wife and his oldest daughter and an employee. They, that, they came in and found him. That'd yeah. be awful. But now just getting back to Jimmy Vargas, this was uh, his fiance's son. 
He said he never saw Patrick with any drugs or never saw him with a gun. Right. Said he was just a normal guy trying to start over. So it's, it's kind of weird that he ramped up to murdering people. You know, you, you think maybe that just set him off when they was going to take him back to jail or his, his parole violation. Yeah. Yeah. He just like, probably did the hell with it. I'm not bad enough. Yeah. He can't hide because he's a big guy. Yeah. It was like Bigfoot running around. Yeah. All right. Now, on July the 6th, 2009, police were called to a burglary. It's what they thought was a burglary in Dallas, North Carolina. This is in Gaston County. It's not far from here either. No. The address was... 725 Dallas Spencer Mountain Road. Yep. And they, the neighbors saw a, look like an SUV pull up to an abandoned house. Right. That nobody lived in, to, lived in for a while. Yeah, Patrick had a champagne-colored uh, SUV. Ford Explorer. And someone had uh, seen that. And also, somebody had eyewitness had talked to him about and even gave a, a, a sketch. But this guy... When they pulled up into this house, it's been abandoned. The grass is all grown up around it and everything. Wasn't no power on in the house or anything. Yeah, nothing. So he you know, said, what happened is about 3 o'clock in the morning, his chihuahua was going crazy, barking, barking, barking. So he's like, well, he got up to go see what was going on, and he seen those people in that yard across the road. So he called uh, 911 and told them that there was a burglary in progress. Mm-hmm. So uh, the cops show up to see what's going on, and they get there pretty quick. When he pulls up, uh, the Stamies are standing out beside, you know, the SUV, and they're out there talking in the yard, and uh, Patrick's still in the car. And uh, they tell him that, you know, this is their house. Everything's okay. And said, you know, and even we heard an interview with the police officer, and he said, well, you know, nobody ran or nobody acted like he didn't, weren't weren't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he didn't really think a whole lot about it. And when he told them their name and stuff and said, you know, they own this house. I think it was their mother's house or something. And I figure if they're transients, maybe they owned the house, but they just didn't have enough to keep it up or whatever. Yeah, so, probably. So, but they could go back there and use it for shelter if they needed. There's no power or anything, like I said. But uh, so they called that in, and that seemed to be right. But it was knew something was off about the guy in the car when they asked him about his name and stuff. He like he took him a minute to figure out what his name was and his birthday. Yeah, he gave him a fake name and a fake birthday, I think. Yeah, he did. So he's like he was stumbling around trying to figure it out. So. And when he got out of the car, he's kind of wobbling around. And we even saw, which I'm, this is your know, 4th of July weekend, so I'm sure they've been hammered all day, you know, you know, with all these drugs and stuff. He's oh, doing. you know they got to be. So they they went in the house. The, they mean in uh, the Stamies the the and the Burgess, yeah. yes, had went in the house. Well, the, the police didn't leave, and they went back to the car and started figuring this out. Yeah. And they realized what was going on and knew the guy was just big, you know. And so they put two and two together. They knew the... The Champagne uh, Ford Explorer was, was uh, they were looking for that, plus a really big guy. And they knew there was something about the Ford Explorer, and it's never been divulged what it was, but there's uh, something about it, either a sticker on it or something's messed up or something that made it stand out from other ones. Yeah, it's so been that, spotted in another place, maybe a dent or something. Right, so they saw that, so they knew that that was the right one. So when they, they so they pretty much knew that that was Patrick. So they, they went back to the door, knocked on the door, and uh, the Stamies came to the door, and they said, we need to talk to your friend. We need to talk to Patrick. Yes. Let them know that they knew who he was. Yeah. Well, the police go in the house. Yes. And Patrick is laying on the couch. Yes. And he's facing away from the door. Right. Acting and, like he's asleep. Yeah, acting like he's he's asleep. Which is kind of funny to me, knowing he just walked in the door. But Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But I guess, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But they ask him to get up. 
but yeah. he acts like he doesn't want to be bothered like yeah. he's moaning and groaning kind of mumbled like he's sleeping but he ain't you know yep right and this is when patrick reaches under his pillow and he's got a pistol right well they you know they demand us that we need to talk to you we need to get up and we know who you are we need to we need to talk to you and uh so stand up put your hands behind your back yep. and then he mumbled a little more and then that's when he didn't he wouldn't show him his hand and that's why yeah and he reached under the pillow and grabbed his pistol and done a blind shot over his shoulder yeah he just flipped the gun over his over his head basically and pulled the trigger yeah didn't even aim or nothing just shot yeah and what happened was he hit another cop in the leg right but it turned out to be a flesh wound because he was lucky the bullet hit a pocket knife in his pocket mm-hmm. and just the bullet went down the side of his leg like a flesh wound right instead of going straight into uh, his uh, femoral artery or the big bone instead of busting his leg and which it very could have easily done oh, yeah it just turned and went straight down right up and under the skin which is wild yeah and uh another you know one of the officers already had his taser drawn because he knew when he was laying on the couch like this is the big guy if something goes down you know and they're in there in the dark don't forget this because there's no power no power Whatever at all they got there's flashlights and that's it so then they really don't know who all was in the house you know besides those three so he's already got his taser out ready and then when the guy just fires the gun you know i'm sure their ears went you know beep whatever it does deafening yeah and so he go ahead and pull the trigger on this uh the taser the taser and it shot into him and he dropped it because when the when the gunfire went off and he said basically you could see you know how it just be flashing like a uh strobe light that mm-hmm. flashlight's all you got going is he was trying to get his revolver out or his service uh, service service his weapon service weapon yeah you got a service weapon out of his you know out of his uh holster and get ready to protect himself and by this time uh the other two officers had already shot him three times in the chest yes yeah and they were all ducking for cover and uh the officer that tased him saw his taser laying there just clicking yeah. still clicking yeah so then, you know, he immediately went up and rounded up the other two because then he was like, oh, God, what if they got guns, too? You know, in the back of your mind, you don't know what's going on, you know. And then I'm sure they were wanting to do first aid because that's their first instinct to just go do first aid after they've shot somebody or something or somebody's injured. Mm-hmm. But they basically can't do that till they know all the uh, the threats are, you know, taken care of. Yep. So he went over to take care of them, and then they got everybody handcuffed and stuff, and then they went back to him, and it was already too late. He was already dead. Yep. And actually, the cops that were there, they got off work the next morning. They didn't know it was Patrick Burris till the next day. Yeah, not at all. That uh, they had uh, found the the spree killer from Gaffney. Yeah. So basically, they'd been up all that night and went over there. When they got the call, it was like, you know, do we need to hurry up and get up there? And they're like, no, it's like a just a, a low incident, you know, because they thought it was like some kids at a house party or something. They yeah. broken in and drinking or something. And then they got there and all this went on. And then they had to go back to the station because there was a shooting, you know, and all that had to go on and be investigated. And said so the time he got home, it was like nine or ten o'clock the next morning. He just shut his phone off and went to bed. Mm-hmm. The, the, this is all coming from the police hours that we heard the interview with. Yeah. And uh, he said when he finally got up and turned on his phone, it was just blowing up from all this stuff, you know, and he was just getting all kind of messages from everywhere about, you know, how good a job he had done and taking taking this guy down. Yeah, because uh, Gaffney had been under terror for six days right i mean they were people were scared to death and it ain't their first time right no because they had a serial killer back in the 60s mm-hmm. uh roy leroy martin yep yeah he terrorized the town yep. for a few years the gaffney strangler yep here all about it on episode 50 if you want to go back and check that out go check it out but yeah the gaffney was hit again by a spree killer yeah 
Patrick Burroughs. You know, and if people say it's spree killer, some say it's serial killer, and, you know, whatever you want to say. And the difference is basically, I don't really know, to tell you the truth, timeline. You know, yeah, this so is all was five murders and There's no cooling off period. Right. You know, he's like five murders in, what, six days or six to eight days? Whatever. Yeah. And, and instead of this, we had heard of this girl who had uh, posted this thing in a in a, a true crime group once and said that uh, in uh, Bowling Springs, North Carolina, which is just up the road here, she was at a Bible camp and she went. It was always like a weekly thing. Or a, it was a week in the summer, I'm assuming. And uh, they were walking to go somewhere, and uh, this fellow walked out in front of them and was kind of acting weird. And he just stopped and turned around and said, "You guys better be careful. There's a serial killer on the loose." Yeah. And the girl said, "You know, at the time we were just like this weirdo. You know, they were all the the Ouija board kind of crowd. You know, they didn't care and it wasn't going to scare them. They just didn't really think nothing much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever." And then uh, said they went ahead and finished out their Bible camp and everything. And then uh, about a week or two after they had got back home, they got the news that they had caught this spree killer. Yeah. And it was him. This so, is so at, they uh, were face to face with him. Yeah. and Didn't even realize. This is at Gardner Webb University. Yeah. Bible camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later they had found out that other people had actually seen him around campus and even sometimes even hiding between cars and just watching people. God, that's scary, man. Because I'm in Bowling Springs all the time. Yeah, in Shelby all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's just and, crazy. And like we said, when this is in our backyard, this is literally in our backyard. When we first heard about this, we knew it was something going on in Vail, and we're like, wow, that is so close. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, it's like really close. Yeah. It's just really, you never know. We could have crossed paths with this guy at one time or another. Yeah. So. Is a interesting story, and we wanted to cover Patrick Tracy Burris. Right, you know, and then they did uh, at the one time think that he was in, involved in another murder with a guy uh, that was named uh, Matt Stewart in Iredell County. Yeah, that uh, I don't think much ever come of that, and he was never really linked to it. Yeah, Matt it, was it, he was murdered in his home yeah. late one night with his wife and his kids were there, but he was murdered. His wife was shot in the hand. Yeah. There was some weird circumstances over there. It was like two different handguns, yeah. caliber guns, some other stuff. Now, if he did do that, then that would make him a technically a serial killer because it'd be that much time difference in it. But I don't think he had nothing to do with that myself. Yeah, they hadn't been linked to Matt Stewart's death. Right. And we may cover Matt Stewart in the future. Yeah. Pretty interesting story. Very. Yep. All right. That is the case of Patrick Tracy Burrisdale. Yep. And uh, i tell you what, it would have been a lot better, you know, if that police officer had not been for that pocket knife. I know. That's some divine intervention. Divine intervention, man, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yep. All right, bud. We are going to get out of here. All right, man. Let's we, do it. We Let's want, roll. Yep. We want everyone to be safe. Be careful and always be aware of your surroundings and watch out for spree killers. <laughs> because the next episode could be about you. This is The, the Crack, Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.